listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Hell Revisited. Hello my radio friends, I'm so glad you could join me today for another in the series, Give Me the Bible. I hope all has been well with you, and I hope you've been taking those precious words from the Bible into your life and thoughts. Furthermore, I hope you've been linking your life to the author of the Bible, God because he loves you and wants you to have the best life possible. Not only that, but the Lord wants to have your company for all eternity. Well, today we're going to revisit the subject of hell. Recently, I've been very surprised to learn that many sincere Christians are not very clear about what the Bible actually says regarding hell. Many people just take hell as a granted and make a number of assumptions without inquiring any further. But the Bible has a lot to say about hell. Firstly, there are some questions that need to be answered about this subject. They are, Number one, is hell literal or real? Number two, what is its location? That is, where is it to be found? And third, who will it involve? And fourth, when is it? The Bible does teach that hell is real, but it does not teach that hell exists right now. Back in the time of Noah, God was so disappointed that mankind had gone the wrong way and was sinful all the time that he decided to cleanse the earth and use the offspring of the one righteous man, Noah, to repopulate the earth. And so he caused the worldwide flood and practically all human beings were destroyed. But mankind has not really reformed. People are still sinful, and sin and violence fills the earth again. The call of the gospel is for people to be forgiven of their sins and for them to take a new direction in their lives, a direction of goodness and righteousness. Many people have turned to God, and no doubt many more will. But God, who is, who is in control one day in the very near future, will take his people, that is, those who have committed their lives to him, and take them to heaven. And the wicked, that's those who have ignored God's kind invitation, will be destroyed. 
not by a flood, but this time by fire. This is a future event that has not taken place yet. In Revelation 21 and verse 8 it says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice the magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulphur. Aha! This passage describes hell. It is not a pit or some sort of underground cave. It is a lake of fire. And not just wicked people will end up there, but Revelation tells us that the beast and his image will end up there along with the devil, death and Hades, and anyone whose name is not written in the book of life. They will end up there also. But where is hell? The Apostle Peter in Second Peter verse, uh, chapter 3 verse 10 wrote, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it shall be burned up. Now that's a clear statement. Hell will be this earth, at least the face of it. God will destroy all sin and sinners in order to cleanse the planet. Okay, but when will this happen? From the verse I've just read to you, it'll happen in the day of the Lord. But when is that, you might ask? In this case, the day of the Lord refers to the time of the end, when God pours out his judgment sentence on the wicked. There'll be no escaping it. Now, some of you may have heard that in hell the victims are being tortured forever and ever. And that idea comes from Revelation 14, verses 10 and 11, where it says, He will be tormented with burning sulphur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast or his image. Yet... The Bible teaches in John 3.16 that God is not willing that any should perish. What does the word perish mean? It means to die, to cease existing. So do we have a contradiction here? One passage seems to indicate that the wicked go on living in torment in hell and the other passage indicates that the wicked will perish. In Revelation chapter 2 verses 11, chapter 20 verse 16 and chapter 20 verse 14 and chapter 21 verse 8, 
the Bible speaks of a second death for the wicked. We may consider this subject in a later program, but the point that needs to be emphasized from these verses right now is that the wicked will experience death. They will not remain alive for eternity. It seems very strange to me that when the saints, that's God's people, are given immortality, that the wicked should be given immortality as well. And it seems equally strange that God would want to retain a pocket of sinners in an otherwise sinless universe. Having a large group of wicked people miraculously being kept alive so that they can suffer for their evil deeds throughout eternity is at odds with the nature and the plan of God. God never intended that there should be sin in the past, and he does not intend to retain sin in the future. He wants it eliminated so that all things can be made new without Satan and sin to spoil what he's made. The concept of an everlasting torment would seem to indicate that God has a nasty, unloving, vindictive nature. To be tormented for eternity is the severest sentence that could ever be given. The sentence far outweighs the crimes. But God is just and is fair. A horrible sentence of eternal torment is unjust and unfair. The punishment far outweighs the crime. Bible critics cannot be blamed for rejecting God if what I've just alluded to is true. If God hands out such stiff sentences for those who reject him, I too, as a committed Christian, would reject him as well. Who would ever want to be linked with a God like that? God would be nothing more than a cruel tyrant. But God is not a cruel tyrant, and God will treat sinners with dignity, although they will be destroyed. They will suffer torment for their erroneous ways, but it will not be for eternity. You see, the problem involves the translation of an expression, and this is the expression for the period of its time, from Greek to English. In English, we do not have a suitable expression to convey the meaning accurately, and the nearest expression the translators could come up with is eternal or forever and ever. Some of you may be aware that in some languages, Inanimate objects such as chairs, tables, clocks, mountains and so on, the articles like the, a, an, which refer to those nouns, are given a gender distinction. For example, the chair might be a she, while the table might be a he. There's no such thing in English 
And this is just an example of the differences in construction of foreign languages. From the Greek, when a word regarding a long, long time is associated with God, the expression forever and ever or eternity is valid. It means perpetuity or always. But when the word stands alone without being associated with God, it means for as long as it lasts. Now, I want to illustrate that with two examples from the Bible so it can be better understood. Example 1. In the second last book of the Bible, Jude, verse 7, we read this. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual perversion. They serve as examples of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Did you notice it was called eternal fire? Sodom and Gomorrah indeed were burnt as a punishment from God because the inhabitants were so sinful. But the fire has long ago stopped. Yet the adjective used to describe the fire was eternal. The fire continued to burn as long as it lasted. That is, while there was something to burn. Now example two. Here God promised the Israelites that if they continued to disobey him, he would kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortresses. The fire was called unquenchable. That does not mean that it would not go out, but that it would not be possible for human, for human beings to put it out. It burned while there was something to burn. Indeed, Jerusalem was set on fire when Nebuchadnezzar attacked it in about 500 BC and later at around 70 AD the Romans set it alight. But it's not burning today. The fire was not eternal in the meaning of being perpetual. So what is the area occupied by Sodom and Gomorrah like today? quick search on the internet will show that the area is a wasteland. Nothing seems to grow there and the area shows rocks that melted into glassy slag-like material and some places sulphur balls are contained in the light ashen type rock. Brimstone is another word for sulphur. Sodom and Gomorrah were burnt when fire and brimstone rained down from the sky. We'll have a little break here and we'll go on straight afterwards. May the good Lord bless and keep you Whether near or far away May you find that long-awaited golden day today. May your troubles 
hobbies, small ones, and your fortune ten times ten. May the good Lord bless and keep you till we meet again. May you walk with sunlight shining and a bluebird in every tree. May there be What might have been May the good Lord Bless and keep you Till we meet again May the good Lord Bless and keep you Till we meet Till we meet There's another description of complete destruction to be found in the Bible in Zephaniah 2.9. God announces, Surely Moab will become like Sodom, the Ammonites like Gomorrah, a place of weeds and salt pits, a wasteland forever. The land of what was once known as Moab is on the east side of the Dead Sea. It is a wasteland, uninhabited and unsuitable for agriculture. As Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed and there was nothing left, so it is with Moab. The people are gone, the cities are destroyed, just as God said they would. In the day of the Lord, the wicked people will be burned and the earth will be purified of sin. But the fire that God causes will only last while it lasts. In other words, for as long as there is something to burn. Why would a righteous God want to cause people to suffer for eternity? There's no reason. God wants to put things back as they were before sin entered the earth. He does not want sin and sinners to be present in a perfect universe ever again. The purpose of God causing the worldwide flood, known as Noah's flood, was to destroy the presence of sin on the earth. The same reason will apply when hell breaks loose at the end of this earth's history. Hell will be a supernatural fire that burns until it has done its job, removed all the sinners and sin from the face of the earth. What many people overlook when they consider the subject of hell is that it is the agency to destroy all the bad. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians 3:19 and 20, Many people live as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Their destiny is destruction. Notice what it says? Destruction. That does not mean going on living forever in torment. No, it means annihilation. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, The Lord will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. There's no way God wants sinners and sin to occupy the universe in an ever-burning hell for perpetuity. He wants to completely get rid of sin and its effects. Now, in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1 is a very definitive statement about the purpose of hell. It says, Surely the day is coming, the earth shall burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or branch will be left to them. Have you ever seen a stubble fire? I have. Farmers sometimes burn the stalks of wheat that are left over after the wheat has been harvested as a means of weed control. The fire is very fierce and leaves nothing but bare ground. This verse strengthens the idea that hell is designed for total destruction, not as a place of perpetual torment. Jesus mentioned hell a number of times. In Mark 9.43 he said, speaking about those who willfully sin, that it is better for them to go through life with a part of their body which causes them to sin, missing, than to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Jesus is not saying that the fire won't stop. He is saying that no one can extinguish it. It will be a supernatural fire made for the purpose of cleansing the earth of sin, sinners and the effects of sin. This business about the wicked being continuously tormented by burning is an invention by those who have not made it their business to examine the scriptures properly to find out the real meaning. So, to summarise today's topic, A. Hell will be a reality, a place of supernatural fire. B. It will be the means where God finally removes all sin, sinners, and the effects of sin. C. Hell will be on this very planet Earth. D. It will cause destruction. It will be designed for destruction, not torment. E. Satan and all his agents and followers will be totally destroyed, never to live any more. F. The fires of hell will burn while there is something to burn. They are not perpetual. G. 
It is inconceivable that God, whose character and nature is love, would keep sinners in a state of perpetual torture. And lastly, H. It is also inconceivable that God would want to keep a reminder of sin in his perfect sinless universe. Dear listeners, God is unwilling that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. But the decision to take up his offer depends entirely on you. God is not in the business of forcing anyone, but he does invite you to come to him, have your sins forgiven, and become part of his kingdom. I urge you, won't you come to him? Hell holds no future for you or anyone who is part of it. But on the other hand, as one of God's faithful children, God has a glorious future planned for you. Unfortunately, time is up again. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, I wish you God's blessings and peace and a hope for the future.